And now, enjoy this free Jason Modcast show. Hey there, this is Ralph Garman, and you are listening to the World of Mythbits. You made an excellent choice. The World of Mythbits. Hey everybody, and welcome to episode 82, haha, <laughs> see I was prepared this week, sort of, um, of the World of Mythbits. I am your host, as always, Stephanie Barty. I hope you guys have all had a good week. I have had a fairly rough week. I was going to say decent and lie to you all, but I have a platform where I can talk about things that matter, so I'm not going to lie to you. I have had a very rough week. I've had a very rough few weeks. Um, we'll get into that later. Remind me. <laughs> I kind of actually need somebody sitting beside me to, you know, slap me and kind of hold up cue cards to remind me, because when I say that, I always forget. And I will explain that in a minute, too. Okay, housekeeping. I wanted to update you guys on um, the magazine that we were talking about a while ago. Remember I said we were, there was a magazine in the works that um, was going to be an actual physical magazine. Well, we are slowly working towards that. Um, I forgot to ask the boss man if I could tell you the name. So I'm not going to tell you the name because I didn't ask the boss man. (laughs) And he is, after all, the boss. So, but soon, soon, um, there will be meetings, Zoom meetings, because I know how to use Zoom, sort of. So now I have to teach others how to use Zoom and then we can have a Zoom meeting. So yeah, we are working slowly towards getting that um, up and running. Now, once we have staff in place, it's still going to be a while before the magazine actually comes out because we need to establish layout and columns, sections that we're going to have before we can start accepting submissions and articles and There's a lot of moving parts that need to be put into place before we can even get to the accepting submissions stage. That being said, we are moving forward with this and I am very, very, very excited about it. Um, Yeah. So, and, and this week I'm announcing... Two more contestants in the um, open contract challenge. Now, just to recap, the contestants we have so far is Gabriella Balcom, Vincent May, J. Robert Bellamy, and Jason C. Wint. Those are the four we have so far. I am going to announce two more today. Actually, I think I'll give you one right now. And then I'm going to wait on the other one. And I know that making 
waiting on the second one. When I do actually announce the second one, I'm probably going to get a OU email. <laughs> and that's okay. Anyway. Okay. So, contestant number five in our open contract challenge is Walter G. Esselman. Woo! Now, you may remember Walter from the world of myth. He does this fabulous little series called Liberty's Run. You've all heard me talk about it. <laughs> so, yay, Walter. Congratulations. Contestant number five. I'm not going to make y'all wait for contestant six. Because at least I know some of you will stick around. Okay. So that is housekeeping. Um, we are working towards the new print hold in your hand. Flip those pages. Smell the ink on the paper copy of um, magazine. And contestant five in the open contract challenge is Walter G. Esselman. And now that housekeeping is over and done with, I just realized I forgot my water. Okay, we're going for a walk. Come with me, my darlings. We are leaving the boudoir for momentarily. That and I have to readjust my fan because spring finally arrived in Ontario, at least in my part of Ontario. It's been spring down at my sister's, I think, for two or three weeks now. Oh, look, there's my water. Welcome to my bathroom. <laughs> so spring finally arrived. Um, and when spring arrives where I live, that means it rains a lot. So they say April showers bring May flowers. Well, where I live, we're kind of always two weeks to a month behind everywhere else. So even though it is May long weekend, um, we're getting April weather. So yeah. And to all of my fellow Canadians out there, happy to me too for. Okay. I mean, I know it's Queen Victoria's birthday, but the May two, we call it the May 2-4 weekend. It doesn't always fall on May 24th because May 24th moves. It doesn't always fall on a weekend. But it's either the, it's always either the weekend before or the weekend of May 24th because it's Queen Victoria's birthday. Anyway. We call it the May 2-4 weekend, and it has big significance to Canadians, especially to, I could only speak for Ontarians because I am in Ontario. I don't know the other provinces, but I am sure they feel the same. It marks the beginning of summer, a season that we wait for for months and 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 months summer our favorite season why is it our favorite season because it's not raining and it's not snowing if it is any other season it is raining and it is snowing it rains in the spring, it rains in the fall, it snows in the winter. 
We get one good season. And if you live in my part of Ontario, out of that good season, you get one, one good month. One. And that is July. It usually rains up until about the third week of June. And then the rain tapers off and you get a week of really good but very humid weather. And then it moves into July. And it becomes very dry. Everything becomes very dry. And we kind of have a little drought because we don't get any rain for an entire month. And then you get into August and the weather starts to get a little cooler. Rain comes back, sometimes torrentially, sometimes tornado-y. <laughs> so we get a month, one month, July, where the weather is decent. Now, with it being decent, you're also fighting the mosquitoes. Now, by July, the black flies and the, the horse flies have kind of moved off into the farther into the bush where it's a little cooler. Um, right now, the black flies are flying, but they're not biting yet. Or so I've been told by my brother. He's been scoping fishing locations, so he says the black flies are out, but they're not biting yet. Now, if you get bit by a black fly, you know it. It hurts. Not as much as it hurts if you get bit by a horse fly. Horse flies actually take hunks of skin with them. So does a black fly, but it's a smaller hunk. It's more like a nibble. Whereas a horse fly will carve out a pound of flesh and take it with them. So... It hurts a whole lot more than it does a mosquito bite. And it burns. And then it'll itch for months. So, yeah. Horse flies, deer flies, black flies. Oh, deer flies. Oh, my. Oh, deer flies. Oh, oh they're mean little suckers. Mean, I tell you. Mean. They're like an ornery horse. They really are. And they're shaped like fighter jets. These little triangles. And they like to buzz around. They do flybys. Every time I see them, I think of Tom Cruise in Top Gun and his cocky attitude. Because that's what these little bugs are like. With their flyby. And they will zing by your ear. And you bat it away. And I mean you can connect with it. And knock it away. And a minute and a half later. It's right past your ear again. And they dive bomb your head. And I remember as a kid. The only way we could escape them. Was to jump into the lake. And stay under the water. You kind of bring your face up to the surface. And gulp some air. And go back under. Okay, there was something that I said, remind me, and I will tell you about it. And for the life of me, I cannot remember what it was. I started this tangent with May 2-4 weekend. Now, it is the 
beginning of summer for us. Now, it hasn't always been warm. It's usually horrible weather on the May 2-4 weekend. Usually. 99.9% of the time it rains. I do remember a May 2-4 weekend when I was about 14. And it always, for me as a kid, the May long weekend was really significant for me because, yes, it meant the beginning of summer because it was the first weekend since Labor Day weekend in the fall that we were going back to the cottage. My grandparents, the year I was born, I was born in February. My grandfather, I was the first grandchild. That's it. Said to my grandmother, that's it, Jean. We are building a cottage for our grandchildren to be able to have that outdoor, homey, natural, healthy, outdoorsy experience. So I was born in February. They broke ground in April. So there is a cottage on Shandoss Lake that is pretty much exactly as old as I am. It no longer is in our family. I've talked about that on a previous podcast. It makes me a little teary, so I'm not going to get into the whole story. But anyway, um, but the family that owns it now, they bought my Aunt Shirley and Uncle Victor's cottage, which was right next door. And it's, it's the same as it was when I was growing up. It was two families, my grandmother and my Annie Shirley, who are sisters. It was two families in the two cottages. It is still two families in the two cottages. They're related. There you go. Anyway, it was the first, it was the first pilgrimage since we closed it up Labor Day weekend back to the cottage. And it was the first weekend that it was the first time since Labor Day weekend that my cousin and I got to swim in the lake. Now, you have to keep in mind that this is Ontario in Canada in May. We have had snow in May. We have had snow up to June. The water doesn't reach reasonable temperature until end of June, mid-July. And then it's decent. Up to that point, it feels okay because your body's gone numb. So every May 2-4 weekend, rain or shine, or in this case, snow, my cousin and I would at least get in the lake. Now, get in meant in up to, uh, we, up until this point, till I was 14, it was over in over your head. You had to get your hair wet, everything wet. This particular weekend, it was snowing. Now, Stuart and I were determined we were going in that lake. My dad knew he couldn't talk us out of it because it was a tradition. And my dad was very traditional. 
<laughs> so he understood the significance of this tradition. This was a tradition that had gone on since, um, I think it started when I was five and Stuart would have been seven. Yeah. So we're about five and seven. So it was a tradition. Now up till the age of five, you know, my mom would like dip my feet in the lake and whatever. So it was pretty much a lifetime tradition. Okay. So this particular weekend, it was snowing. Stuart and I were not going to be deterred from tradition. So my dad decided, my dad was a volunteer fireman, which meant he was basically full-time fireman who worked a full-time job as well. He was also one of the few firemen that were trained as paramedic so if anything were to happen, he had the training to help us because we were literally out in the middle of nowhere in the bush, a good 45 minutes from town. And that is just from town where the police are, not where the ambulance is. <laughs> so anyway, my Aunt Shirley and Uncle Victor had this boathouse, excuse me, had this boathouse down where the docks were. And they never put a boat in it, but we all hung out in it. It was kind of like our party place. We'd hang out in it. And, um, anyway, we, the roof of the boathouse was level with the ground up at the cottages. And the bottom of the boathouse was level with the water. Because you had to go down these stairs or down the cliffs down the rocks to the boat, to the water. So what Stuart and I would do is we would run and jump the little gap between the grass and the edge of the boathouse onto the boathouse roof and then run off the end of the boathouse roof into the lake. Always scared the living daylights right out of me every single time, but I did it because I had a cousin who was two years older than me and liked to pick on me and don't give him any reason to pick on me. So... Here the two of us go off the end of the dock. And I distinctly remember my dad standing in the boathouse wearing his um, hiking boots, wool socks, jeans, his turtleneck, fisherman's sweater, and lumber jacket. Because it was snowing. And here us two idiots go off the top of the roof of the boathouse into the water straight back up and out of the water and into the towels. And that was our in for May 2-4 weekend. That, that was it. We were done. It was snowing. My dad had to be there to make sure that, you know, hypothermia didn't hit because it was that cold. But we did it. And we went. So now I think it's Memorial Day for you guys in the States. So happy Memorial Day. Um, it is May 2-4 for us. Now... You say that to anybody in Canada and they will automatically know what you're talking about. May 2, oh, the May 2-4, right, yeah, okay, May 2-4. Um, we do make jokes about the May 2-4 being all about the 2-4. Now, we sell beer by the case, which you do in the States too. I'm not sure if they're sold, if there are 24 cans in your cases of beer, there are 24 cans or bottles 
in a case of beer here. You can buy a case of Molson Canadian, Labatt's Blue, Molson Golden, whatever. You get 24 of them. That's two four. That's what we call a case of beer, a two four. So it's the May two four weekend, which also means after a really long winter when you haven't really seen people and you haven't really been outside, especially if you're not a winter sports kind of person, it's you get together with your friends for barbecues and backyard parties and bonfires and you crack open a beer and you have a few drinks, you have a good time and they're like, yay, winter's finally over and we can be outside again in the world and I love you. We can't this May 2-4, but it is still the May 2-4 weekend. My little town has sounded like a war zone since Friday night because people, since there's nobody in the park or any parking lots for that matter, people are lighting off fireworks left, right, and center. So that's been fun. Okay. I really wish I could remember what that was that I was going to tell you. And I don't remember what it was. Happy May 2-4, anyway. Um, okay. Oh, right. Right. Really, really bad stretch. Mentally. Um, I've been getting out for drives, but I've been going with my husband or going with my daughter and I need, I think what I need to do is to just go for a drive by myself, hit some country roads, turn on the music, flip through the stations and sing to whatever my heart desires and just drive for a while. That might help. Uh, My friend Lally she um, sang a song. She belongs to this Facebook quarantine singer type group. And she posts songs that she sings. You may have seen me sharing them. She has a fantastic voice. Oh my God. Her voice just gives me chills. And she sent one out today for all of those battling mental illness. And it was We Are the Champions by Queen. And the minute... The minute she started to sing, I started to cry. And I cried through the entire song that she sang, as she sang. And I continued to cry after she stopped and blew her kiss. And I cried for a good, probably hour and a half. Because I've been kind of fighting the urge to not cry because I have felt like I've needed to cry for the last probably week and a half. And I've been ignoring it, pushing it away, doing something else, distracting myself, whatever. Um, I've had some really, really low, dark moments. Um, I'm not going to lie. There's been moments where, um, because I battle depression clinical depression. I battle um, manic depression. So I am depressed and miserable 
and have myself convinced that the only way to fix it is to be permanently gone from this world. But I am doing all the cleaning, doing all the cooking, being very creative and moving at top speed. That is what manic depressive depression is like. You have your ups and you have your downs. It's like a flipping roller coaster and it's a whole lot of fun. Telling you girls, you think PMS is bad. Try it with manic depression. Wah! So anyway, um, don't worry. I'm not going to do anything drastic. Um, I have taken measures to ensure <laughs> that when those thoughts happen, I don't have easy access to making a decision. <laughs> But the longer that this isolation goes on, the harder it gets for people with mental illness. The harder it gets for people in situations of abuse. Now you think women that are being abused at home, their escape was work. That was their safe place. They could go to work. They could escape it. I mean, and I'm talking women that aren't leaving, that haven't left. And I'm not judging. I'm not judging. Women stay for their own reasons. And they have to come to the decision within themselves to leave an abusive relationship. And let me tell you, if you're in an abusive relationship with a narcissist... They're good. They're really good at having you convinced it is entirely your fault. So you don't see it as abuse. You see it as you screwing up, making them mad. Your fault. Anyway, that's a whole nother podcast. So, things are rough for a lot of people. I mean, they're... they're uncomfortable for everybody. I mean, people that have a good, healthy relationship at home and have the means to survive comfortably and have the um, resources to entertain and educate their children and blah, 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 and do cook these fantastic meals... Yes, it's uncomfortable for them. They're missing their friends. They're missing their social. They're missing their work. Great. I feel bad for you. I really do. But it is horrible for people with mental illness who are living alone. I have a friend of mine who um, posted on Facebook today that he had a very hard time getting out of bed this morning. And he broke down. He had a very long cry. He lives alone. And he has battled depression his whole life. And before the quarantine, before COVID-19, he had a social life. So he could get out. He could be with people. He could be with friends. He could do his, his thing that he does. That he does very well, too, mind you. And now he can't. He has nobody but his cat. And I couldn't imagine 
being totally alone. Some days I wish I was. You know. But I couldn't imagine day after day after day having nobody to talk to but my cat. That has got to be hard on even somebody who doesn't battle mental illness. So, hang in there. You're not alone. You are definitely not alone. You may feel like you're alone. Physically, you may be alone, but you're not alone. So, that's what I wanted to let you know. You're not alone. I had a weird... I mean, I've had a rough week, but I've had a weird week. Like, weird. Weird stuff going on in my house. Weird stuff. Um, things being relocated. Doors opening and closing on their own. Now, I live in a haunted house to begin with. And I'm a paranormal investigator. And I have, on occasion, accidentally, because I know how to prevent it, accidentally brought something home, um, which made my husband establish the rule that I'm not allowed to bring home any oogie boogies from an investigation or a job. Um... But think weird, weird, tapping on my bed when I'm, I'm sleeping or, you know, lying. I'm lying here. The other night I was lying here watching TV. It was about 2.30, 3 o'clock in the morning. And I'm lying here watching TV and there's this bang, bang, bang. Do what now? And it sounded like somebody tapping the footboard of my bed like that just like that my light was on there was nobody in my room but me my cat wasn't even up here which is unusual for cj y'all know he follows me everywhere he has to say hello on the podcast right now he's examining my paranormal kit bag because it's up here i'll explain but there was nobody up here I got up out of my bed. I looked all around the foot of my bed to see if maybe the wood was cracking or something. Nothing. Get back into bed. Get comfortable again. Get positioned again. Start watching my show again. Get sucked into my show. Tap, tap, tap. On my foot. Okay. My foot. Uh-huh. My foot touched my foot. I leapt out of bed, cleared the bed, and was on the other side of the room before I started to breathe. Now, yes, I know. I'm a paranormal investigator. I go into creepy, icky, scary places and get all excited when I catch and document things on my equipment regarding the paranormal. Not in my house. Not in my house. My house is protected because I know how to do that. 
I know how to keep things out of my house. I have cleansed my house. Only certain entities are allowed in my house and I am related to them. So I don't know what it is that's in my house. I need to re-cleanse and figure it out. Because it's freaking me out. So, I was telling Dave the other night, I'm going to do an investigation of my own house. Now, as a paranormal investigator, I am kind of a professional. I've been doing this for nine years with equipment. Twelve years without, with nothing but a flashlight and a tape recorder. And my friends. Um, Ask Melissa Small from the World of Myth. She's a contributor. Ask her about our graveyard tours. (laughs) Yeah, ask her about that. Ask her what you should do when the person leading the tour runs past you. (laughs) Okay, I'll tell that story in a minute. Anyway, as a paranormal investigator with some experience in this field, I do not recommend investigating your own dwelling. Do not investigate where you live. You might not like what you find. You might, if you don't know what you're doing, you might actually create a problem that wasn't there before. You might attract something in that you didn't have before. Now I have, like I said, I have my house protected. I have cleansed my house. I have things in my house to ward off negative energies. So I don't know how this thing got in. Um, I think it's telling me, part of this is telling me I need to cleanse all my wards and recharge them and set them back up. Ow! Ow! Ew! Sorry, I was fighting with my box to get it out of the bag. And my nail got caught. And it hurt. Uh. So anyway, so yeah, strange things have been happening in my bedroom. And I am the only person in my bedroom, so there should be no strange things happening in here. So I'm going to be doing a mini investigation. Oh, I keep grabbing the wrong one. I'm going to be doing a mini investigation in my room tonight. I'm going to um, have my K2. I'm not sure if I'm going to use my spirit box yet. I'm not sure if I'm up for that yet. (laughs) But I am going to set up my um, night vision camera tonight. To record while I'm sleeping to see if it picks anything up. Um, so yeah, I will let you know next week if you're interested in whether or not I found anything. And if I did, more than likely, you will see the posts over on my paranormal page, Beyond the Known. So yeah, that'll be fun. My day was weird. My day was weird. So I'm not exactly sure if this is the right night to be doing this because 
I seem to be having a serious case of butterfly syndrome. Um, I'll go to do something and I'll get to what I'm going to do and I will look and I will see something else that needs to be done and I'll be like, oh yeah, I need to do that. And I will go and do that, which will lead to, oh right, I have to do this first. And I'll move to that. And I just, it's a vicious circle, I'm telling you. I'm telling you. Vicious circle. The water bottle. Came into my bedroom. Had everything set up to podcast. Went, I need water. Grabbed my water bottle. Went into the bathroom and went, oh right, I gotta wash my face. Washed my face. Put my cream on. Did all my, you know, nightly stuff. Came back into the bedroom. Went over to my dresser to get my headphones. Saw the toothbrush travel cap on my dresser and went, Oh, I forgot to brush my teeth. Back down to the bathroom. Brushed my teeth. Filled up my water bottle because I forgot to do that when I took the water bottle to the bathroom. Filled up the water bottle, put the water bottle down, brushed my teeth, came back to my room, started my podcast, and went, crap, I forgot my water bottle. Earlier today, it's a beautiful day today, it was up in the 60s, so woohoo, wanted all the windows open. Wanted my sliding glass back door open, I wanted my front door open. So, open the the sliding glass door, pull the screen across, and I lock the screen. And I look at the screen. Now, the screen is ratty and ripped and needed to be replaced. And we had the bottom duct taped because, uh, bless his heart, my husband didn't want to walk downtown to the hardware store and get screen. He said, we had some around here somewhere. That was two years ago. I was still waiting for said screen to materialize. So I had duct taped the bottom of the screen to the bottom of the door because it had ripped. I didn't want the cat to escape and I didn't want the bugs to come in. And squirrels like to try and come in. So I looked at the screen and went, oh, right, I need to replace that screen. Wait, no, no, I went to the front. I opened the front door first and went, oh, I wish I could open the front door because... Last week, I cleaned the glass on the front door and I took the ripped screen off because I was going to replace it because the little the rubber that holds the screen in was old and had disintegrated. So I had taken the screen off, cleaned the glass, and I opened the front door and I looked and I went, oh, I need to replace that screen, which led me to the back door. Since I can't open the window here because there's no screen, I need to open the back door. So I opened the back door and went, I need to replace this screen. Well, first it was, I need to clean the frame. Cleaning the frame. Oh, I need to replace this screen. Well, I need to go to the hardware store. So I drove up to the Home Depot first and there was a lineup and I went, nope. And then I thought about the Walmart and our Walmart probably doesn't carry screen. So then I went to the Canadian Tire. My American friends, Google it. There was a lineup and I went, nope. 
So then I went downtown to Jeffrey's Pro Hardware. It's a locally owned hardware store and it was closed. So then I went around the corner to the home hardware. Yes, we do have a lot of hardware stores. It was open and there was no lineup. I went okie dokie into the parking lot. I went, got to the door and lady came out. She said, could you wait just one moment? Okay, fine. So I was the lineup. <laughs> Get into the store and it's a very small store. I mean, it's a small town hardware store. Okay. Small. And their policy in this small store right now is one person per aisle. Okay. So that's kind of hard to do. It's a small store. Find the aisle that I need. Find the screen that I'm hoping is going to work. And I'm looking at it and I'm thinking, well, I fixed the front door with nothing but a butter knife. So I don't really need the kit with the rolly thing. That was my first mistake. So I buy two of the thing, two rolls of the screen. I buy a package of the spline, which is the rubber stuff that goes around and holds the screen in. And I look at the rolly thing and I went, mm, no, that was my second mistake. I'll just use a butter knife. Back to the first mistake. And I'm following the arrows on the floor. And I end up going down the housewares aisle. And I'm looking and I'm thinking, I know there's something. I want to look at a vacuum cleaner. So I'm looking at the vacuum cleaners. And I reached the end of the vacuum cleaners and I haven't found a vacuum cleaner that I liked. And I reached the toilets and I'm looking at the toilets going, should we replace the toilet upstairs in the bathroom? Oh, wait, I need to get toilet bowl cleaner. So I leave the toilets and I go to house cleaning stuff. And I'm going through the aisle of the house cleaning stuff. And I'm looking and I'm, well, what kind do I want now? I probably should get environmentally friendly, but environmentally friendly doesn't give it a nice white clean bowl. And the environmentally friendly stuff is a little too thin and doesn't get right up under the rim. Okay, this is my toilet. I want it to clean 100% of the germs, but I'm going to have to settle for 99.9%. We'll worry about that other 0.1% later and wonder why it's tough enough to survive waiting under the, room, under the bowl rim for its moment. But anyway. So now I'm looking at the Lysol toilet bowl cleaners and they all have the lovely little gooseneck so it shoots it up under the rim and they have scented and unscented and this and that and 12 other things no I want just just the one with the bleach so I find the one that I want and I get it and I'm like okay fine get me out of this store or I'm going to find something else following the arrows and I'm following the arrows and I'm following the and I end up back over where screen there screens are and I look up and there's the rolly thing nope gonna use a butter knife that's my third mistake refer to the first mistake so I finally get into the line and I'm in my little six foot square and I get up there and we were at the Home Depot the week before and I have an iPhone, so I have the Apple Wallet. 
I have my bank card in the Apple wallet. Tried to use, didn't know how to use it. And the girl at the Home Depot actually explained to me how to use it. It's really easy. Well, unfortunately, I was trying to use it for an amount that exceeded the tap capability. So it didn't work. So I thought, okay, well, I'm not exceeding the capabilities of the tap today. Let's see if I can get this to work. So now I'm trying to juggle two rolls of screen, a package of spline, the toilet bowl cleaner, my wallet, keys, and my phone. To put it on the counter. But you can't really put it on the counter. You kind of have to hold it up to her so she can scan it because you've touched it. So it can't go on the counter. So I managed to juggle everything and not drop anything. And I'm kind of glad that I had my Apple wallet on my phone because there was no way in God's green earth I was going to be able to get my wallet open, get my card out of my wallet and tap with everything in my arms. But touching my phone with my thumb and getting my wallet up and my card up and holding it over and pushing my thumbprint and it worked. So then I come home and I take the screen off the back door, bring it into the house. I thought, well, I still have no light in the kitchen because the Rona still hasn't called and not the Corona. It's a hardware store called Rona that we ordered lights from. That the lights are in stock in the store. And we're still waiting to go pick them up. But anyway, we've paid for them. So, there's still no light in my kitchen. Now, it is daylight, and I do have a big sliding glass door and two windows in my kitchen. So, it's not completely dark. It's just dull. I don't like dull. I don't like working in dull. But, so I drag it out into the living room where there's carpet and I start taking the screen off and I get to the bottom of the door where the duct tape is. And I'm like, oh yeah, right. I got to take the duct tape off. And I start to pull the duct tape off and there is two years worth of dirt and leaves stuck in the duct tape on the outside of the door. Oh crap. Now this is on my carpet. So, drag it back into the kitchen. Get the duct tape off. Clean up the floor. Lay it down. Get the frame all cleaned up. Get it, the, the edging where the spline has to go all cleaned out. And it's all cleaned up. I'm ready to go. I lay out my screen and it's just the right size. Yay, with some overhang. It's long enough. Perfect. And I get my butter knife. Refer to first mistake. And I start pushing it in with the screen into the little crevice that you're supposed to. And I'm do 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 Ow! Hmm. I don't remember it cramping my hand before. So I get the top. Across the top is all tacked down. All right. Now let's start working down the sides. So I start going down the sides. Ow! What the heck? So now 
my, my, my pointer finger, the inside of my pointer finger is starting to get red and sore because I have the edge of this butter knife now pushing on my finger and my hand is cramping. I eventually, after, by, by the, the last side, had the butter knife wrapped in a washcloth, which I probably should have done to begin with. Actually, what I should have done was bought the rolly thing. So if you decide you want to change the screens in your windows and you want to save some money and just use a butter knife instead of the rolly thing, don't. Because I now have a two-inch bruise on my pointer finger, a callus at the, the crease, the first crease, not the one that, where your finger attaches to your hand, but the first knuckle. Well, yeah, the first knuckle. There's a blister and a callus. So every time I bend my finger, it squishes the blister and it hurts. Along with the bruise. You don't realize how much you use your pointer finger until you have a blister, a callus, and a bruise on your finger. I'm going tomorrow to buy a rolly thing. Because I still have the front door to do. And I have a couple of screens in the windows that I need to replace in my bedroom. I need the rolly thing. I'm not using a butter knife. Again. Ow. So heed my warning. Get the rolly thing. Do not make the multitude of mistakes that I did just because I didn't buy the rolly thing. I don't know what it's called. I call it the rolly thing. Anyway. Um, yeah. So, it's been a rough week. It's been a very ADHD butterfly kind of day today. Um, go to start one thing, which leads me to, oh, I have to do that. Oh, wait, no, now I'm, I have to do that. Oh, no, now I have to do that. Yeah. I did get some things done and I did manage to cook teriyaki shrimp stir fry for dinner with rice and tomorrow night I am making honey ginger garlic chicken and I know you've heard me all say I don't cook I don't like to cook I don't want to cook but um, that's part of the manic high. So I'm cooking and I'm getting all these wonderful recipe ideas from, you're going to laugh at this, TikTok of all places. There's a couple of people that I follow on TikTok and they like to cook. And one of them is a woman who lives in Saskatchewan on a large farm so she is feeding several farmhands. So she makes really good, really easy, really hearty meals. They are not diet-friendly meals, but they're really good. They look really, really good. So I want to try some of them. 
But anyway, yeah, so I haven't been doing the things I should be doing, but I'm doing the things that need to be done, uh, if that makes any sense. We have a big 20-yard dumpster bin, yay, coming on Thursday. I'm so excited because that means within the next couple of weeks, my husband will have his own room down the hall. He will no longer be sleeping in my living room. Or in my bed when I get out of it. He will have his own room. Yeah. Oh, my. I almost killed him this morning. And I probably, in a court of law, would have gotten away with it. On the argument of temporary insanity. I came downstairs this morning. Hadn't even. I mean, I have to walk right by him. To get to the coffee. And I'm walking by him. And normally. The morning conversation goes. Go to bed dear. And I get back okay dear. And I go into the kitchen. And I pour myself a cup of coffee. And I have some of that wonderful coffee. And he might say. Something to me. Maybe. On his way up the stairs. I don't know. Because I don't normally listen. My ears don't work until I've had at least half a cup of coffee. And if they do, in the off chance, like this morning, decide to work, I generally ignore people until I've had at least half a cup of coffee. I hadn't even made it to the coffee. And he feels the need to speak to me. And not only speak to me, because if he was just speaking to me, I could grunt and he would think I was listening. But he proceeded to tell me about a situation that happened at work. Now, God love him. He's worked there 30 years. 30 years. I still don't understand what he does. I still don't get it. It's a little too complicated for me. But he still feels the need to explain it to me and I, because I'm his wife, go okay, I'll listen. I will put on that face of, I'm interested. I understand what you're talking about. Now every now and again, I do remember a thing or two. But not before coffee. And he's having this conversation with me, which requires me to actually have responses before coffee. I finally managed to get into the kitchen and he's still talking. And now I'm in the kitchen and I'm around the corner and I'm looking at the coffee pot and I'm, I'm pouring my cup of coffee. He's still talking. I can't hear what he's saying, but I can hear him. He sounded like the teacher off of Peanuts. And I finally had to say to him, after I got a sip of coffee into me and could form words, Shut up. Please. I was nice about it. I didn't throw anything at him. I didn't snarl. 
I just asked him very nicely to stop talking until I had consumed enough coffee that I could pay attention without wanting to kill him. He laughed and went to bed. A big part of me thinks he did it on purpose. Just to get me. Because everybody in my family, if they lived in my house at any point in time, even people who aren't related to me, if they have camped with me, no, do not talk to me until I've had a cup of coffee. Terrible things may happen that I cannot be held responsible for. If you try and communicate with me before I have had that sacred cup of coffee, just the first cup, some days I'll even settle for half. Just give me half. And then I'll talk to you. But yeah. Oh, I know what else I was going to tell you. When I first got into ghost hunting, I was doing tours. And the area that I live in is very rich in Native history. We have St. Marie among the Hurons. We have the Martyr Shrine Church. We have um, the Native Village at the end of my street. Very rich in um, Native and... Christian history in our area. We actually have a triangle of crosses that span miles between the three. No, there's five. I'm sorry. Between the five. There's five of them. And now you can Google this. There are five crosses in the area. And they were specifically laid out along certain lines and patterns to ward off evil. Mm -hmm. So I took a group. um, We start, I would always start off me and my partner. We would always start off at a very low key, very inactive graveyard. Now most graveyards are inactive Because the spirit doesn't generally hang around their dead body. They will return to where they died, where they lived, loved ones, whatever. So, but we do have a few in the area because this is native land. There was a lot of stuff that had gone on on this land. Um, And then the graveyard showed up later. So the land was already haunted before the graveyards got there. So we do have some that do do have activity. So we'd always start off at a very low key one. And then we would work up to taking the group to what we would refer to as Fuller Avenue. There is a patch of bush. There used to be a house there. That house, that land has been an urban legend in town based in truth since as far back as I can remember. And I have lived here since I was seven. 
So we would end the tour at Fuller Avenue and there's a trail at the bottom end of the land where the land meets the water that you can walk down and at night, during the day, you walk down and you hit this one spot and it kind of sends that chill up your the back of your spine, like just gives you the whoa and you feel like somebody's watching you and you want to get out of that area as quickly as possible. At night, it feels like you've walked into a brick wall of And we hadn't actually, my partner and I hadn't actually walked that far at night to test it out before we took this group down there. Now, luckily, this group was a group of very close friends. So now we told them, jokingly, (laughs) we told them before we headed down the trail, the number one rule on a paranormal tour is if your tour guide turns around and hightails it out of their top speed, follow them. Don't ask questions. Follow them. And we proceeded in. We laughed it off. We wanted to kind of scare them a little bit, get them on edge. Because you're going into the bush at night at a known haunted spot. So you know you're going to hear something funky in the bush. Whether it's a night bird or an animal or something paranormal. Didn't matter at this point in time. They were already high strung. Ready to go. So we're in front of this group. We're walking down this trail. And you can hear the waves lapping on the shore. And you can hear the critters moving around in the bush. And all of a sudden it felt like we were walking through thick tar. Like it was, it was a struggle to move our legs. Like it felt like we were glued to the ground. Like you're walking through molasses. And I turned and I looked at my partner and I'm like, are you, do do you feel in this? And her face was white. And she said, Oh yeah. I'm like, okay. So now I'm scared. Because I have an overactive imagination. And if she said, no, 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 I'm fine. I would have been like, okay, it's my imagination. I'm freaking myself out. Let's keep going. But because she was feeling it too, now I'm like, okay, this is real. It's not me. And then we got what us in the professional biz call the (laughs) heebie-jeebies. We both got really creeped out. But we we kept walking. And we're discussing quietly between the two of us, are we going to continue? Are we going to stop? The rest of the group doesn't really seem to be affected by it much. Should we continue on? And then all of a sudden, bam, it felt like we had walked into a brick wall. And I mean, the people that were behind us, a few of them, my son was there as well. A few of them even said it looked like we hit something and kind of bounced back. And I looked at my partner and she looked at me and we went, oh, no, uh, uh, no, ma'am. We turned around and we ran back to the van. And 
I do have to give some of the people that were with us credit because they didn't have an idea of what was going on. They they were creeped out. They knew it felt creepy, but they thought that was just their own adrenaline because it was a creepy area. They actually ran past us and beat us to the van, which scared the living daylights out of some of the people we were with. My son included... <laughs> screamed like a girl oh screamed like a girl that was i think we didn't see any apparitions we didn't catch any evps there was no paranormal activity except for the feeling and the experience of walking into a wall of evil that's what it felt like it was just nasty but that was the best paranormal tour I had ever given. Ever. And I mean, I've done tours where we've caught Class A EVPs, where people have been touched, things have been moved, things have been thrown. That one was the best one. It was incredible. Absolutely incredible. Okay, so I think I've rambled on. Um, I was actually worried at the beginning of this podcast. And I've gone on so long and still have not told you who contestant number six is. And he's going to kill me for making him wait this long. But contestant number six in the open contract challenge is Christopher Bice. Congratulations, Chris. Yes, I know. I will, I will expect the, you know, thanks for making me wait so long email in the morning. But congratulations, Chris. Contestants five and six are Walter G. Esselman and Christopher Bice. Well done, you two. I am so excited. So now we have six contestants. Four more to go. And we will have our ten contestants. I will give you two more next week. And I think I have rambled at you long enough and made you wait until the end of the podcast to get contestant number six. I am going to end the podcast here because I can continue talking to you for another hour or so. Um, but I won't. Because I have so much to tell you. I have nobody to talk to. Everybody, all my friends are busy. So I have nobody to talk to but you guys. Anyway, I've got stuff I have to do. Um, I will chat with you guys all next week. Uh, submission deadline has come and gone. So get your stuff in. This is it. No more Mrs. Nice Guy. Okay, so check us out at www.theworldofmyth.com. You can find us on Facebook at The World of Myth Magazine or The World of Myth Bits. You can find me on Facebook at author Stephanie Barty. We are also over on Twitter at The World of Myth Magazine and The World of Myth Bits and me, Lupa B. You can find the Open Contract Challenge on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram, where I'm also on Instagram at Stephanie Barty Author. And then if you really want to see some fun stuff, hop on over to TikTok and find me, Lady Lou Who, L-A-D-Y-L-U-W-H-O. That's me. Okay, I will chat with you all next week. See ya. Oh,
the world of mythbits.